Today's episode of Front and Nationwide is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports I'm with you on a Tuesday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Good morning. Uh, we will be joined later by the one, the only, Bill Davidge, former Blue Jackets scout, former Blue Jackets radio color analyst, Fox Sports Ohio analyst, Fox Sports studio. Really, Allison, more than anything, he is... I, I have always thought of him as every Blue Jackets fan's favorite uncle. <laughs> Am I right? He's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. And, and such a passion for the game. That's what I love most about him. Always. He's chilling in Florida right now, as he should be. We'll talk about what he's got going on, how he's feeling, what caught his eye about this year's Blue Jackets, and we'll take a walk down memory lane. I don't, we can't avoid memory lane with Bill Davidge, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but first, Allison, we have actual living breathing hockey news press releases in the email box aaron and we have news within the news even <laughs> which is really something so uh on monday the blue jackets signed mikhail grigorenko uh you you may recall him with buffalo with colorado he spent the last three years in russia uh the blue jackets signed him to a one-year deal 1.2 million dollars that's for 2020 21 uh that season uh, yeah, signed him, thought they signed him anyways, announced it, um, took questions about it, and then later in the day, the NHL informed them that that contract has been avoided. Problem. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, you can't sign a player if you're a player such as that. You can sign your own draft pick that's unsigned. You can sign your college players that haven't signed. Uh, you can, of course, re-sign your own guys, but you can't sign a player from another organization coming from another league in the middle of the current season for next season. And this season, though it may not feel like it, is still going on. So both sides, according to a press release, and I have not confirmed this with Dan Milstein, who is is Grigorenko's agent, um, but both sides are saying that they will abide the contract and just simply sign it July 1st. So a touch embarrassing a touch more paperwork for the team, one assumes. But Allison, they're still going to get the player July 1st. Really no big deal here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's just a bit odd because, you know, the, the Blue Jackets or really any organization isn't just going to put that release out, the first release out without checking with the league. I mean, of course, as as you always say, you know, there are rules. This is outside of the rules of how you can sign a player such as this, but we are living in weird times. And so you have to think the Blue Jackets checked with the league and the league didn't catch or approve something that then they pulled back on. So just weird stuff, but uh, it'll, I, I remain interested and intrigued by the signing. It seems low risk to me. It reminds me of when the team brought in Sam Gagne a few years ago, helping a player reestablish himself in the NHL game. And with Gagne, that that produced beautifully. So uh, who's to say what will happen here? 
Yeah, and Grigorenko is an interesting player. Now, you talk to people who watched him closely in, in Buffalo and Colorado, and I made several calls on Monday. The, the problem that he had was not skill. It's not his hockey sense or his ability. It's his level of competing. It's his mm-hmm. uh, puck battles. It's his the spirit with which he plays. Now, you know who the coach of this team is. I think people make too much about the coach of this team. How worried are, are you? How worried <clears throat> should people be? The, the the way this is being pushed is that Mikhail Grigorenko found himself in Russia, uh, that perhaps he returns to the NHL. He's only 25 years old as a guy who now gets it. We're, I'm hoping to speak with him later today. Uh, that'll be one of the questions I ask. Um, and Allison, you've made the point before. Everybody gets caught up in John Tortorella. <gasps> How's Sam Gagne going to play with under right. Tortorella? This right. could be a disaster. It was great. How is Thomas Vanek going to play under John? <laughs> this is going to be just awful. It's great, right? Um, now, there are some things that were expected and came to pass, uh, but how, how worried should people be about Grigorenko? Or how clean a slate should he get and a, a chance to sort of uh, reestablish himself, as Jarmo Kekalainen has said back in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's, what you say is so true. I mean, we do this every time. <laughs> and even Seth Jones did an interview um, during this break here, and I think uh, Zach Wierenski has said similar comments, as have many former players. They love playing for torts. And it doesn't mean it's fun in the moment, but there's always a respect level of, of open communication there. And, you know, at some point I I get tired of this because these players are, are adults. <laughs> they sign the contract. They know who the coach is. <laughs> the, the report is that there were other teams talking to Grigorenko. The KHL was offering him a contract as well. Everyone's entering into this with their eyes open. They either figure it out or they don't, just like any of us taking a job. So um, yeah. it, if, it, if it fits, it will work. If it doesn't fit, it won't work. And, and this happens with many players in many teams all over the league. So uh, it, Torts was consulted, uh, Yarmo told us yesterday. So everyone's coming into this eyes wide open. Yeah. And Torts is a bit of a contrarian. I think we've learned where when when <laughs> – when Vanek was traded, everybody went, oh, God. And then Torts went out of his way numerous times. Oh, love this guy. You guys said we were going to hate each other. My guy, Thomas. <laughs> like, he can make it work. I think that he almost makes it part of the conversation. Obviously, there's no hiding from this, but they'll get down to brass tacks. I'd love to hear how the conversation went because I bet it came up there as well. Um, interesting player, and then he can play all three positions. There's a ton of skill here. He's a power play guy, loves the half walk, and one time a puck. He, he can play all three positions, and Allison, one of those positions um, used to be a strength of this team. Uh, it's been kind of a rough spot lately. They have depth there, but they're still trying to figure things out down the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, you and I were talking about this. It's about how funny it is that it's it's. It feels much longer ago than it was that they had so many centers. Um, but, you know, this team does need to rebuild that depth and at, at a high level. And, you know, Grigorenko maybe hasn't seen top six minutes in his NHL career. That could be due to a large number of things. But if he can fill that role, that's huge for this club so that they're not, you know, when, when someone gets injured, they're not saying, oh, gosh, is Nick Felino going to go back to center? You know, what, what's going to happen there? I think that 
filling that need along with the offensive talent and the power play skill would would just be huge. Yeah, and he's played mostly wing in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he's played all three positions. When I see his size, he's six foot three, one hundred ninety five pounds, and you hear about his game. And I'll be honest with you, I I know I covered several games that he was part of through the years. He's not a player that's jumped off the page uh, to me. You mentioned his sort of top or bottom six role everywhere he's been. I think he's played himself out of top six roles. Um, the, the name that, that I think of when you hear skilled, slightly soft, big guy, long reach, if, for me, is Christian Husalius. Hmm. Like I remember hearing all the time about how what Husalius doesn't do and doesn't do and won't do. And then at the end of the day, he's still a pretty good pretty damn good player. Now, I think Grigorenko's got a long way to go before he starts putting up Husalius-type numbers. Uh, but I wonder if there's a comparison there. You mentioned Gagne. Um, it'll, it'll, I'm interested to see what this cat looks like and what the motivation level is because uh, sometimes you get two cracks at the NHL. It's not often you get three. Right, for sure. Uh, so this would be an important stretch for him. Um, so that contract we, we started with, avoided uh, <laughs> by the NHL yesterday, will... Uh, uh, the Blue Jackets in a statement last night uh, said they've had conversations with Dan Milstein and that this contract will be signed on July 1st, though technically neither of them right now until July 1st are bound uh, to the agreement. We should also say these are strange times, Allison. July 1st may not be July 1st. Right, exactly. Um, if this league starts up late, and that's one of the things they'd have to to negotiate, figure out with the players association, all of every contract runs through July 1st of some date. Uh, not, so it's not even just the ones that, that hit this year. What does that do to players service records? If they start playing games after July 1st, does that count for next year? Yeah. On and on and on. They've got to figure this stuff out. So maybe free agency doesn't start July 1st, but if it does, as it does in the typical year, the blue jackets and Mikhail Gregorenko expect to sign, uh, their contract then. One year, $1.2 million. It's a one-way contract. Uh, more news from the Blue Jackets on Friday. Uh, more news. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches. An embarrassment. Yes. The Blue Jackets signed uh, goaltender Jonas Corposalo to a two-year deal, $5.6 million. Um, he and Elvis Merzlikens were in the same boat, both RFAs, both one, both with arbitration rights, which makes a big difference, and both one year away from UFA status. So we always knew the Blue Jackets were going to sign or attempt to sign both of them. Corpusalo goes first. Um, $2.8 million for a player who certainly looks like a number one goaltender. Uh, Allison, your thoughts on that deal? Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think that um, Corpusalo certainly earned it. I mean, we've talked about this so much. Um, and it, it's interesting to me too, because we had heard even you know, right before the pause that the, the goaltender they were talking to first was Elvis Merzlikens. We didn't, we, we knew that they would of course extend Eunice Corposalo. That was not the question, but, uh, to get this deal signed first is, is an interesting little switch up on that, but I like it. The players earned it. I think that it is a really promising sign that if we assume, and it's not necessarily fair to assume a hundred percent that the Blue Jackets move forward with both Merzlikens and Corposalo in net next year. This is a very affordable price point for two very good goaltenders. 
And, you know, this is this is a direction the league is moving in, is not, you know, spending way too much of your overall salary cap on goaltending. And I like that for the organization, particularly as we mentioned, where the, the cap might be a different situation next year because of everything that's happened. Yeah, now, we, we should suspect that Merzlikens' contract will come in somewhere in the realm that Corpusalos did. Mm-hmm. It might even be the exact one. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, that's a pretty good price tag for two number one goaltenders. Now, to your point, uh, we, we wrote a story yeah, a month ago. The days are all a big <laughs> blended pile of uh, wreckage right now. But it, it it was a while ago that the, the goaltending market this summer is going to be, I mean, take away all of the coronavirus stuff. It's going to be a really intense market. And... And, and any year, if you're a goaltender, there just aren't enough chairs when the music stops for everybody. I think this year that's going to be ex- totally exacerbated. And then you put on top of that what are surely going to be salary cap restrictions that some teams are going to face because the cap, it's hard to imagine the cap doing anything but going down uh, right. given the way that this league has turned out. So having two number one goaltenders each making a, under $3 million is a really impressive situation to be in um and yet it's not a situation that columbus has to remedy yet right um they can hold on to those guys they can wait a year uh corpusalo does can be protected in the expansion draft elvis merzlikens does not need to be matisse clevelenix can be put out there as a as the goalie that columbus is is making available so they're covered with the expansion draft they don't have to worry about that it may not make these two players perfectly happy to continue to share the net. I, you know, Elvis wants to be the guy in everything he does, uh, but they're kind of in a catbird seat here in terms of trading them when they want to trade them, trading them when the market is right, but not waiting too long to do that, Allison. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I, I agree. I think that, you know, again, we we look at the, the former goaltender that was in Columbus and look at how that contract has locked up the Panthers situation um, and now going forward what that's going to look like when you have 10 million already carved out for one player and you know there's a there's a few teams in that position so to have this flexibility I also like that you know it's a two-year two-year term like you mentioned so again as we look at how both of these guys round out that's a nice window to really see how they look as they truly cement who they are as a player and I will say this every time we talk about it, people are probably sick of it from me. But I do like the idea of playing two strong goaltenders. As long as both of those players get honest communication about the situation, I don't mind it. I think it's a great way to set your team up for success, particularly if you assume you're going to have a postseason. Yeah. Now, the tricky thing with those two guys are, let's assume they both get two-year deals. We know it's not going to be a one-year deal for right. Merzlikens. Right. Corpus Allo already has uh, the two-year deal. If they go one, you know, so the two-year contracts, when they're up, they're going to be UFAs. Mm-hmm. The only thing sketchy about trading a young guy like that with a year left on his deal is that he's a UFA. And so there's almost an argument there that the Blue Jackets trade one of them sooner or later, sooner than later, um, sooner rather than later, I should say. Because then it gets tricky for a team, and, and it, it affects the return right. 
if you're trading a player with just one year left before you can go UFA, because then that team's going to want to know if they want to extend them. So I guess what I'm saying is here, the Blue Jackets don't have to trade them, but it would be foolish to think that they're not going to trade one of them. And it could happen once next season starts, whenever the hell that is. Um, it could happen any time. And we should always be on alert for it because I, th- I think it's something that they have to consider. It, it th- These are goaltenders that would get a premium in return, would allow them to fix other places on the roster. And I, th- I think, Allison, we've been saying this, I, I think this is going to be an offseason of trades. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to say the Blue Jackets trade a goaltender for a forward. I could totally see that except that they've got a lot of pieces in place that you're all expecting to be regular pieces when the players, when the Blue Jackets do play next year. There's a lot of young players you say, well, Bemstrom's going to be there for sure. Texier, for sure, he's going to be there. Robinson, for sure, is a guy. Felino's got a deal. Atkinson's got a deal. Dubois is going to be back. Like, you're naming, suddenly you get to 15, 16 forwards who are for sure going to be a part of this team next year. And so the idea of trading a goaltender for a forward um, makes me wonder if there's not going to be more trades than just the basic ones that we're already anticipating. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things morph uh, over over the next uh, few months here. First things first is there going to be a season. Yeah. We can worry about that all day. Let's bring in uh, everybody's favorite uncle. Uh, Bill Davidge is so kind to join us from Florida. Billy Davidge, Billy D. Dapper, how are you? Forty, I'm doing fine. How how are you and Al Al's doing? I mean, I can only speak for myself. We're doing pretty well. <laughs> Good. Good. We haven't seen each other in how many weeks now? <laughs> what, did, what did you shoot today, Billy? Uh, you know what? I have not played golf for <gasps> months. Yeah, haven't played for a month. Uh, you know, and that's by choice. You know, with the the environment that we've got, yeah. uh, and in my my scenario here as well, and. Uh, I think you're aware that I'm, I'm still fighting this darn cancer. You know, I retired in July 1, and as soon as I got down here the first part of August, my multiple myeloma come back, and uh, I've been under a six-month protocol. In fact, I had a cancer treatment this morning and just fighting it. So my immune system's a little shot. I can't afford sure. to, to go out, and especially on a golf course, you just don't know what you're going to get yourself into. So right. I've backed off a little bit, and... Uh, just basically right now fighting the fight with this uh, multiple myeloma. And you got a month to go on the heavy stuff, right? I've got another month, month and a half. I'm hoping that uh, I can get, make my way to Columbus. Yeah. Um, I think my last treatment here, uh, it would be about the 15th or so of May. Plans are to fly back uh, around the 18th or so and, uh, and finish some of my treatments in Columbus if I'm able to. I, I've got some family to hopefully see. Uh, I had a granddaughter born on Sunday, and uh, wow. I'm kind of excited to go back and see uh, see little Dylan Elizabeth Davidge. Aww. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah. on Yeah, that's great. Um, Thanks, you You know, you've got a, a whole city here, an organization, sure, but a whole city here pulling for you, big man. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've got some good doctors around me, and... Uh, the, I guess if there's, you know, one calling is we've got a hold of this cancer uh, at stage one. And, and and if I can maintain that, you can't cure it, but you can control it. And yep. uh, we knew it was going to come back and, and it did come back. And 
now the fight is for real and uh, all good though. All good. Billy, did you get a chance? What's your setup down there? How much Blue Jackets hockey were you able to watch this year? And what kind of thoughts do you have about this team? This was such a wild year. Um, Left for dead because of the players that left them in the offseason. Left for dead by all the injuries. This team just kept winning. Yeah. No, I I have a chance to to watch a lot of the games, majority of the games uh, on the center ice package. Of course, I don't get Fox Sports Ohio, and I I pray that the – Especially when the, the teams at home, I'm able to get the the pregame and uh, between periods, of course, with uh, with Brian and John Luke and and then uh, with Jeff and Jody, uh, and then you rely on on the away feeds when uh, when the team's on the road. But no, I sure. had a chance to watch the majority of the games. Uh, so I guess the one difference between not being there and being down here is that I could get up and walk away <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and didn't and I didn't have to organize my thoughts. As far as what I needed to say or how I was going to about say, going to say about it, but uh, I take my hat off to uh, the job first of all that uh, Yarmo and uh, and John Tortorella and staff did in being able to compete. Number one, and they competed very well. I think they used more than forty players. Am I right? Forty. I mean, there's there's more than forty players who were in that lineup, and more injuries than than we've ever seen. And to be able to see that team compete, uh, the coaching was, was outstanding. You had guys step up to the plate, um, unknowns that had basically, you know, we were okay American Hockey League players. They could have been improved that they could play within the confines of a system, and they didn't look out of place. That's what I really liked about this team, and it's just too bad the season had to end up where it did. They're still in a playoff spot, and it's, uh, the question asked now, what happens? But uh, I was... I was very, uh, very pleased at the way this team competed. They played, they played hard, and they were fun to watch. Billy, in my newspapering days, I, I had a hard time watching a sporting event without thinking, oh, my God, what time is it? How much time do these poor people have to write about this? Because the deadline, it just becomes it just becomes part of your head. Were you, when you started watching right. hockey after you sort of stepped away from the booth and the, and yeah. the business – did you have to shake that like, oh, I can't, I can't do this oh. right now. I've got to watch this. Oh wait, oh wait, I, I, I can do that right now. You know, were I, you able to unfurl pretty easily? Uh, no, no, that no, it was it was pretty tough. It's especially the first two or three weeks of the season. I said, geez, I, you know, we got to, I'm gonna, I got to watch. I got what's right. And then uh, when when in the beginning of the year, where things weren't going very well, you know, and and then I basically told myself, hey, walk away walk away and you know i've got them all taped and everything else i'm still a coach at heart but i'm also a hockey fan uh so i had a chance to go back and watch a lot of games just just as a fan but uh no it, it was tough to pull yourself away especially when you had done it for so long and you know being a player and having coached and having scouted and then you get into the the media side of things uh you know it, it, everything evolved around the clock and how to do it you're right. You know, you got you got something to to uh, to look forward to between periods and have something to say. And that that was my time to vent. I didn't have anybody in my ear to tell me what I had to say. <laughs> this was coming from this was coming from me. Much like when you guys sit down and you write an article, uh, you can tell it's right from the heart. And and it's a lot of work to be able to get there, but you got to express where it's coming from in the heart. And uh, and it, again, it, it was fun to do, but I'm certainly enjoying my uh, 
my peace and quiet here right now, although I do miss sports. <laughs> Billy, you... I miss sports. You, you know the guys in that room, and it, it, certainly if, if this season doesn't finish out, and obviously that'll be for the right reasons, if this season doesn't finish out, these guys aren't going to be... Mm-hmm. They're, they, they aren't going to be satisfied because they didn't get to finish it, but do you think that they feel any sort of accomplishment because they did prove so many people wrong who just didn't give this group a chance coming into this season? I guess I I look at it as far as even like a coach. You look at the last game you played and prepare for the next game you're going to play. And I think when those guys kind of look back at the last games that they played, they played hard. They Mm -hmm. played. and, And I think, you know, you've got statistics that you can utilize and you do an excellent job of being able to break this game down analytically, uh, Els, as well as anybody that I've ever seen, a, a chance to read, you do an outstanding job. I'm not, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a feeling guy. Just much like when I broadcast, it, it was, it was, it was, it was heartfelt. And I just really think that those players, they're going to be disappointed. But I think that, yeah, they'd love to be able to have the chance and the opportunity. Uh, this season is still not over yet, but I still. I think they'd love to be able to have that opportunity to play and yeah. to continue on what they've accomplished. They've accomplished a lot, but I know there's going to be something torn from that heart if they can't finish it all off. Yeah, for sure. With You were a coach. You know Torts. You know, he's he's got one year left on his contract, which is next season, whenever that begins. It seems like he has to come. I mean, there's no way he doesn't come back after the way this season went, don't you? Do you think, or mm-hmm. am I seeing it wrong? No. No, it's you know what it's up to, to torch yeah it's really up to what he really wants in life right now and and uh you know he has other interests he can i know torch he can walk away and he's got his uh he's got his family he's got his dogs he's got his environment out in the country that he can be part of and uh it depends on what what's coming out into his heart and what he wants to be able to do does he should he come back? Darn right, he should come back. I mean, <laughs> I would I would have loved to have been a player and played for John Tortorella. John Tortorella gets the most out of everybody. He's not asking any more than what he asks of himself, and that's a lot. And uh, that's what I loved about the guy because a lot of his values kind of felt the same way that uh, when I played and I coached, I was never going to be denied. You know, I, I basically a mentality that I wasn't going to be beat. And now I pay for it today, this 5'9 body, <laughs> and 18 surgeries later. Uh, that was the mentality. But I just I think he it's his choice on what he uh, would love to be able to do. And uh, maybe this reflection with this virus and what it's done to the, the entire world, maybe that has an effect on, on uh, where he is and where he's going to go. I, I have hmm. no idea. But, no, I, uh, I, I hope he's back and doing what he wants to do. do if you had a vote... Where does he fall in your Jack Adams voting this year? Oh, number one. <laughs> number one. I mean, no, I mean, give me a break. Look at what you look at what you had a chance to watch disappear at the end of last year. I think all of us every day when we went in and you see the additions were Panarin staying, Bobrovsky staying, Duchesne staying, the single staying, and then all of a sudden they're all gone, and now you start from the ground floor and utilizing because they didn't bring any uh, in any free agents that could dot that lineup. They utilized what was in their organization, and they did an outstanding job of it. But, uh, no, if that isn't the coach of the year, 
there are a lot of other guys that uh, that are there, but right now, if you were to finish it up, John John's my number one guy. Uh, Dapper, you know how much Torts, you know how he's wired. You know how much he would love, did love this team. I should say past tense. He loves this team. You know he loves Nathan Gerby and everything about Nathan Gerby. You know he loves the swagger of Elvis Merzlikens, who's like, bring it on. Give me all the pressure you got. I want even more. There's so many guys on this team that I almost, I almost feel like – I, just watching the team up close last year, so much of what went on with that team is just the kind of shit that he detests. <laughs> yeah. The individual stuff. And there's so much yeah. of this year's team that he just loves. Is there one one player or a couple players you want to talk about on this year's team that just jumped off the screen at you, that you, that, that made you pump your fist or or slam your, slam your uh, armchair or whatever yeah. as yeah. you're watching? Yeah. Who fired you up? Yeah. Yeah, Dubois. Dubois. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what. That that kid is so talented. And to have a coach like John Tortorella, this kid can be a premier player in the league. But he's going to have to listen. He's going to have to to uh, to mind his, uh, you know, just mind who he is. And each night he's got to give it just a little bit more. And uh, and be a be a big factor for this team, no matter what's asked of him. But I think John Tortorella is going to have a big effect on where this guy goes because he's a very talented young man. And there are many nights where, again, I still stay in touch with with Brian and and Jody and and and, and the guys. And, and you know, just are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? I'm watching it on TV. You guys are watching it live. And you know, I just see that guy with so much talent. And uh, I think we got a little bit of him. I mean, would he have 49 points when he finished the year and leading the team in scoring? Yeah, yeah. What's what's he going to be like when when he plays his game? Because right. he's 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 about halfway there, I think. And it's only going to get better as time goes on. Well, uh, we posted our list of of our 10 best goals in the history of the franchise <laughs> today. And I yeah. one of the reasons we wanted you on the show, Billy, is I, I couldn't help but. <laughs> You're the the one guy that's been like here for the, all of them, broadcaster wise. Um, you witnessed so many of them all the way back to the early days of the franchise. Um, just which of these goals? I mean, the one in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, holy smokes, Nash between that's the automatic. legs, Jaredev against that's the automatic. the Blackhawks. Yep. What's your goal? Which of these really jumps out to you? You know, the one that really stands out is the uh, Panarin goal last year in the playoffs against Tampa. Oh, Overtime winner. All right, right-handed shot coming down the left side. And if you notice, his legs continued to move. He didn't shoot that puck hard. He just basically froze the goaltender and basically couldn't couldn't make a move on it. That's because he could not make a move on it. He put it over top of the glove, right up top where the postage stamp goes. And to me, that as being a, a, a hockey player and an athlete, you love to be able to teach guys how to do that. You know, you don't teach guys how to beat guys one-on-one and go through the middle of the that, that's, right. that's, you know, but, but you, you work on guys that, that, that have the ability to do that. That goal stands out to me more than anything else. The Rick Nash goal, the Jaredev goal, you know, savvy beating Hedman along the boards. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, but you know what? There's also a lot too, uh, Porty. There's a lot of other goals that we yep. soon forget about. Yes. Now, let's go back to year one when you look at Jeff Sanderson. 
Oh. You look back at the end of year one when Ray Whitney right. came in from that trade with uh, with uh, uh, Kevin Florida. Adams yeah. uh, and what Whit, Whit was able to do. And the guy that stands out, and every one of his goals, to me, are highlighters, especially when you get into a shootout, is their own number 13, Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Right. I mean, give me a break. I mean, every time, you know, the little guy comes in and you can go forehand, backhand, backhand, forehand. And he's got three inches to put it in uh, from between the post and the skate, and he's able to do that. That's what I think right now. You talk about outstanding goals. How many times does that guy finish off games uh, just being and having the ability to score? Uh, that those were those were highlighters as well. Not just yeah. one, but there's a lot of them that you just shake your head at and go, "Oh my gosh, that's talent right there." Yeah. Camo gets that Ginsu knife going in from in tight, and you don't you don't know when it's gonna when it's coming off a stick. Yeah. And I'm glad that this ran when we're not in the in the dressing room every day because there'd be a load of crap coming from. It. Oh, like I've scored how many goals? Not one of them. Remember, like what's yeah. going on here? And I, you know, I, yeah. I felt bad because Duclair's goal from last year, which yes. was awesome, doesn't yes. make it. Yeah, Whitney's. I mean Ray Whitney. I mean yeah. that guy's some crazy well, goals. The, the wizard the wizard was something else you know right-handed shot played on the left side how many times did you see him kind of get throw a fake take one more step and then you know fire it very seldom you see the wit throw it throw it low it was right. always something high and it was always twirling the twine from about 20 and that's yeah. what you uh that's what you loved about the about the wizard i can't stand ray whitney because he's like he's got to be <laughs> 45 it looks like he's 28 yeah, he's a yeah. scratch golf. You've golfed with him, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell the story about uh, when Whit and I and Kevin Deneen were playing at Muirfield, and and both of us are playing well. And and Whit is four under after nine, and I'm <laughs> two under after nine. He's got it rolling, and he has to do a a radio in, in, interview coming down number fourteen. And as he's getting ready to hit a second shot, the phone went off oh. in his backswing. <laughs> and uh, he plopped it in the water on 14. You know, the little sliver green there. Short uh, part of so he double bogeys that, but he ends up coming in. He shot, he ended up shooting 70. He parred in from there. And uh, I'll never forget that as long as I, there, the, the day is long. This guy, he had the hands on the ice. He had better hands when you looked at wedges, irons, and the ability to maneuver shots. The guy was an athlete. And, yeah. uh, one of the guys too that you just love to be able to sit down and shoot the breeze with oh, because yeah. there was no, you never showed the ego, never showed the you know that he was any better than anybody else. He would be the first guy to say hello in the morning. That's what you love about yeah. Ray Whitney. Now, did you yeah. pay Bo Bishop to call right then during his backswing, or was that totally? <laughs> was that no, totally? No, no, no. Well, see, Ray went. He he ended up parring in, and uh, and I ended up. I think I double bogeyed. I double bogeyed 16. I put it in the water, and uh, that was the end of that. He shoot, shot 70. I shot 75. That's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you're two under through nine at Mirfield <laughs> and you're two back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, like where, that's exactly right. Where was Dino? Dino? Oh, he was just having fun. Dino, Dino <laughs> was, you know, he Dino would hit it hard. I did play with Dino at Tartan Fields one day when he threw it in the in the jar from 176 yards on 18 for an eagle. <laughs> yeah. It was oh. like, it was off the hill and down, and it's a slope green going from, from right to left to, towards the creek. And 
all as I heard was, oh my gosh, it's in. And so we all had a chance to, to watch it and see it. And that was another guy to have fun playing golf with was oh, uh, Kevin Deneen. He's a one, yeah. of, one of a kind for sure. Sure is. For sure. sure is. Um, Billy, when you get back here to Columbus, you're going to see some friends. You're going to see the city again. Any yeah. sense, any hope? I mean, what are you thinking in terms of this hockey season being rekindled? Are you are you still hopeful that they can get something going, or where does it stand? I am. I, I, I'm a lot like uh, Yarmo. I'd like to see it begin, and I think uh, to make it fair, why don't you go jump right into the playoffs? And, and have more than 16 teams. You take a look and see how it would work out. Maybe there's 20. I mean, there's a will, there's a will, there's a way. Get a good training camp and, and start it now. You've played 70 games thereabouts. Why not get the playoffs started if, if you can throughout the course of the summer? I know Gretzky feels the same way, that he feels that game can come back and can be played. Uh, but there's going to be a, a lot of different uh, rules and regulations on how close you sit to another fan, do you play without fans for a little bit? I mean, until there's a, a little bit no, more known about this virus, there's a lot of guesstimation. But I, I'd love to see this game continue on and, and not have a blank spot for the 2019-2020 uh, Stanley Cup season. I'd really hate to see that happen. Yeah. Billy, you know we could not let you go without asking, of course, about <laughs> our beloved Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, it's 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 so different for them because the, you know those seniors in particular, like there is no yeah. chance to make it up. Have you just what, yeah. are, you, what are your thoughts for the, that class in particular? And have you have you had any communication with the program of of how they're doing and anything they might be able to do special for those guys to to, to mark the end of their careers at Ohio State? No, I talked to to Steve Rollick uh, probably about two or three weeks ago. I've been following all their awards and who's winning what. The same thing. You know, I do have a vested interest as well with Miami University and sure. and what they're doing. And uh, but I, I follow both programs uh, because that's where my heart has been. I mean, that's that's where I had a chance to continue on, not only as a player but as a coach. And but uh, no, I, I see Napier was uh, the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I re- read that today, which is a good sign. And what a year that Carson uh, Meyer had, being able to come back and uh, and have an excellent year and and get an opportunity to, to, to play at the pro level. He's got a chance to, to come in here as a Blue Jacket draft and, and show, uh, show his worth. But, uh, no, I, uh, it's really sad, that, that especially the seniors walking away from something that they had a chance to accomplish. And uh, much like the Jackets, in college hockey, the decision's already been made. It's done. Mm-hmm. But for the pros, let's just hope that those kids get an opportunity. But, uh, no, I'm very proud of both programs. There's no question. Well said. Billy, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate that much. Pick up the phone and uh, we'll continue to communicate. And you guys do an excellent job. Keep my uh, my reading skills going. I, I love your articles. And Al's, yes. I love your numbers. I, I don't know what the hell you're saying, but I, I love your numbers. Excellent job. Well, <laughs> continued health to you, my friend. And uh, we'll stay in touch. The people asked for you. They, they want you on the podcast, so we'll... Yeah. We'll keep checking in from time to time, but hopefully we'll see you uh, around a hockey game when you're up here later in the summer. Sounds good, you guys. Thanks for having me, and awesome. uh, I wish Columbus and everybody uh, certainly had be safe, be healthy, and and uh, we're praying for everybody. Love awesome. you, Billy. Thanks Take so care. Much. Love you guys, too. Thanks. 